Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flops podcast. I'm your host, Angelique Gay. This is the Creative Couples series, where I chat with couples about their love story, their partnership, and I find out how they support each other's evolution. As we are gearing up for summer, I have been looking for post-ish pandemic motivation to be more mindful about how I treat my body. It only made sense to reach out to the very best. I have wanted to talk to these two women for a very long time, not only for motivation, but to celebrate their love story and partnership. Val Desjardins and her wife, Jennifer Pregnolato, are pillars of the Montreal community. Val Desjardins is known as Pump Fitness. She is a sought-after trainer, think Jennifer Aniston, Michelle Pfeiffer, Olympic-level athletes, not to mention the thousands of people she has trained through their digital studio and Pop Sugar. Jennifer is the creator of Sculpt Nation. She is a personal trainer at the Studio Montreal and an instructor for Pump Digital Studio. These two women are formidable, and I am beyond honored to have them on the podcast. Here we go. Hello. Oh, hi. Welcome. I am so thrilled and honored to have you both here. I have wanted to talk with you for a long time. And so this is very, very exciting. And thank you both so much for being here. We're excited as well. So this is the Creative Couple Series where we celebrate love and partnership. And so I just want to start with, can you share your love story? How did you meet? Take it away. (laughs) <laughs> do you want to hear both versions or should we try to find a, I, a I like the couple to figure out how to tell their story because that's where all the good stuff is so I'm not going to tell you how to do it you 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 do it the way you do it uh, at a dinner party yeah. so yeah exactly that's I mean that's what it is it's teamwork so I'll kick it off the big plot line in that is finding each other through playing roller derby so that's really what brought us together so we had never met before when I had been playing for a few years here in Montreal and with Team Canada and when the movie Whip It came out so Drew Barrymore did a film about oh yeah I saw it we thought yeah exactly so that really created like a bigger influx it kind of gave more of a general population outreach and reached thank god people like Jen who maybe in the past weren't aware of this kind of like you know, underground sport that was going on. So suddenly I'm running the boot camp for what we called fresh meat, um, which was <laughs> the new players that year. And then comes flowing along Jen on her roller skates with her perfect skating stride <laughs> and her like perfectly sequenced outfit. And, you know, so and I just like the first time I saw her, I did a double take, like we maybe a triple. Um, and, but you know, was, was keeping it together. I was coaching, so I kept it profesh and then maybe Jen can let you know how she, yeah, how'd that that go? How long did that last? (laughs) Yeah, actually on my end, it hit me like thunder and I always describe it that way. I know, I know. And it surprised me just as much. And I had joined the roller derby league, not knowing at all what I was getting into. And then, you know, I started the boot camp, and then all of a sudden I see Val crossing the arena, you know, on her roller skates and her personality, I could feel it was so strong that I was just mesmerized by her right away. 
And I remember asking someone what her real name is because we have derby names that we call each other by. Oh, what were your derby names? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Go ahead, Val. (laughs) So my roller derby name was Smack Daddy. (laughs) I know, I know. And Jen's name was Apocalyptic. Oh, that's so, they're both so good. Okay, that's great. <laughs> and yeah, for me, it was kind of instantly, like I saw her and then I knew I, I wanted to get to know her right away. Like I was just so intrigued by how strong her personality was and how fun she seemed. And that was kind of my first impression of her when I saw her. Yeah, it was definitely... It was in the back of my head, you know, thinking I need to know that person for sure. And mm. so who made the first move? And <laughs> how did, like, how yeah. did it go from profesh to... Like, to very, very not profesh. <laughs> <laughs> the first time, basically the first time there was then alcohol involved. I was going to say alcohol honest. made the first move. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Liquid courage, you know? So the first time we were in like a party environment with that league is the beginning of the season where we have this kind of banquet, which ends the last season. And long story short, we, we had some drinks and then we ended up at my loft and the rest is history. I mean, we never left move. each other after that. Yeah, Jen did make the first move. <laughs> I remember, and... I think, Total Eclipse of the Heart, Bonnie Tyler was playing also. Oh! <laughs> it's true, yeah. That's so good. So it was a good moment. Yeah, and then now wow. we, you know, 10 years later, we have a kid and a marriage, and that's it. Wow. I mean, it sounds like it was thunder at first sight. So how did you know that, I mean, it's one thing to be attracted to someone, and how did you know that you were each other's person for life? I mean, we were pretty much inseparable since that day, you know, and the relationship grew because when we got to know each other, we realized that we had really strong family values and we were both very athletic, but we also had a very artistic edge to our personality. And we just realized that we had so many things in common, but also being so different at the same time where Val is just all fire and passion. And I'm more, you know, I have passion and fire, but in a very different different way I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of just more like a water on a duck's back kind of person you know and it's just I like love really... that imagery of fire and water I love it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think also we grew into our relationship without and I think that's actually like part of the queer relationship it's because there's no game plan there's no pre-prescribed timeline so you almost like are forced into this presence right? We didn't come into it. Oh, like, do you plan on having kids? Do you plan on getting married? There's no house to fit in. So in this nice way, we get to be super present and have no expectations, which is always the best way, right? So organically, month to month, year to year, we built this life up. But truthfully, when we met, and we just were very compatible, we just grew to know each other and figured it out step by step. Like I've never had the romantic vision in my head of like the happy story and and the wife and the kid. And we just rolled into it and decided and built this from nothing. So Mm -hmm. I think that's been like a really strong part of our relationship 
that has kept us so connected even to this day, which we'll talk about of the pandemic and adaptation is really just being present and building in the moment. And yay, it's worked out so far. Can you share your proposal story? (laughs) Oh, yeah, do Uh, it, Val. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's interesting because having a child with two women, which I'll just dive into quickly, is that we decided we... We were, you know, we were together for a couple of years. Then we had like a chat one day. We we're like tanning on my terrace. And it was like, oh, like, be cool to have a kid. And I was like, yeah, be cool to have a kid, you know? Like, <laughs> and, and, and then we just kind of did some research and found there was a couple in the UK that had taken the egg from uh, one of the women, one of the partners, and then inseminated the other partner through IVF. And we're like, yo, that's so rad. We could both be a part of it. Like, this is like the lesbian dream. So we did some research. We just started like, we're very proactive. We're very like, we're doers. We're yes people. So that combined together was like, oh, that'd be rad. Let's try it. Let's go. I'm going to call. I mean, I called like every fertility clinic in the city. I found people that were willing to do it for us. We went to appointments. And again, we just kind of kept showing up and built this. So Jen, were we engaged yet? Or no, that came after. There's like a quick window there between deciding to have a kid, Jen at some point randomly saying, if we're having a kid, like we're getting married now. And I'm just like, yeah, cool. Like makes sense to me. Easy. And then from there, (laughs) it went really quick. We were very fortunate in our fertility journey. Things rolled fast. Things were positive. Things were easy for us. Thank God. And then we basically got engaged. We actually inseminated it was aligned with like our derby schedule of like when I could (laughs) do my part of the fertility and our doctor really worked with my schedule and the games that I could miss or I couldn't. And Jen also, and then we got engaged. And then when we got married a year later, Jen was six months pregnant. It just like, it was a plan that made sense to us. And the engagement itself was just like, this awkward moment of me like (laughs) trying to pull her towards the beach in Florida on a long walk, her wanting to go home. It was too windy. And I'm like, you gotta go to the beach today. You know, and her wondering why suddenly we're walking for an hour. And I was like, I just, I'm feeling it. And then getting to the beach and sitting down and then the ring actually got stuck in like my jean pocket. Um, And I was like so nervous. And I was sitting on the beach awkwardly on a towel and like, and I couldn't get it out. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to like walk away for a sec. Like, I'm not feeling so good. Like take a few deep breaths. Like, and then. Sorry, I just need to know from Jen, like, did you have any clue that this was going on? What was going through your mind at that moment? I really had no clue because I had actually arrived into Florida about five to 10 days before Val. I was hanging out with her mom, who's my best friend. Um, So I was kind of there just having a good time. And little did I know that the ring was hidden in the pantry the whole time. And then so when Val arrived, I mean, I just kept going with our usual fun activities that we do. And then Val said I I wanted to, I didn't want to go to the beach that day. It was cold. (laughs) It was windy. I was like, why are we doing this? It was like a 30 minute walk. (laughs) No way. Okay. So now, you know, sorry, Val, you've walked away. Yeah. And then I came back and I just like, I dropped for it. I went on my knees. I held her hand. And I was like, I love you so much. I want to spend my life with you. Let's do this. We're a team. Please marry me. And then she said, yes, twirled in the wind. We cried. We hugged. We mm-hmm. sat there and then texted everyone we know. So like just mm-hmm. like a really basic, beautiful beach proposal where I knew that that beach is somewhere where we go often because my parents have a home there in Boca Raton. And I knew that 
that beach, like the space for me is really important. And that every time we're in Florida, it's like, we call it engagement beach. And like now <laughs> Brooklyn knows that that's where I proposed to her mom. And to me, the symbolism of that was super important. Mm-hmm. So what are your favorite characteristics of the other person? Jen, you go first. What's your, what's your favorite thing about Belle? Oh, definitely her drive, her drive, her sensitivity, her kindness, her passion. I I like it all. We always joke about how I knew the kitchen was hot when I married Ed, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and, and it's hot, you know, (laughs) but in the best way possible, because we're yes people and I've always loved adventures and there's just never a dull moment. We both seem to always want to like do new things. And then we get like super excited about these things. And Val is like the best planner in the world, like Virgo all the way. Um, Oh, me too. So, <laughs> so when she decides that we're going to do something, she dives right in and plans it to like perfection. And then I get to hop on this beautiful, amazing ride and have the best time ever. And I always feel so grateful for that. Wow. And Val, what's your favorite characteristic of Jen? Yeah, I mean, it goes with that in that Jen is very present. Like we were saying, like I have this fire and then for me to have this like grounded, it's, it is that combo of like, she's easygoing, but she's like fuego at the same time. Like Jen, <laughs> Jen is like, you're like, oh, Jen's so sweet. And I'm like, yo, chick is like three peppers on a good day. You know, like, it's like, there's still like a degree of like, she's like, I, you know, I call it like, she's Italian. Like she's got like some fire in her, but it's so grounded and open and present and supportive and Jen is very nurturing and she's just able to while staying strong present and empowered also be so supportive and lift others up which is what she does like even with her clients within our studio like she just lifts these women up she just wants people to be like their best selves and spends her day doing that whether it's brooklyn our child or myself or family she brings us together she'll like host right like you're saying her and my mom are so tight and like they'll organize things and dinners and she just kind of shows up to make the most out of every moment and for someone like myself who is very existential and like fire and wondering what's next and and then like filtering the past and I have a lot of emotions so Jen's ability to live day to day and show up and be a yes person all the time is what complements and builds our life because or else I would just be a ball of fire running out you know (laughs) so she like that's why our combination works so well it really is like a nice recipe for like a high vibration life where we also have you know, a home that we're home bodies. Creating that together has been a beautiful thing. And it's really because of who Jen is as a person. Wow. So can we talk about Brooklyn? Yeah. Uh, So (laughs) I just became a parent. Well, it's been two years, but it all flies by. Mm -hmm. It feels like it happened yesterday. Can you describe Mm -hmm. your transition going from being just the two of you to being parents? 
Val and I, when we, when we met and we were together, we were so happy before we decided that we were going to have Brooklyn. We were kind of like, if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, we're also very happy, just the two of us together and pretty sure we would live a very fulfilling life just as much. And then Brooklyn came along and then it just kind of like, poof, you know how it just like, it's like falling in love every day, right? Your child, <laughs> your child wakes up and suddenly your heart explodes and that really changes you, you know, it changes your relationship all around it kind of brought more communication onto how how do we want to parent this child and I also really like to have certain division of tasks I think for us like we work really well that way like mm -hmm. okay well I'm good at this I'm gonna do this and then you're good at this are you comfortable with doing that and then just have conversations around that and also just conversations about how we want to main values that we want to Brooklyn to grow up with and the kind of environment we want her to be in and being lesbian women there was a lot to talk about that's kind of how I saw things in the beginning, you know, and now, I mean, since Brooklyn's eight years old now, we've had so many conversations and things we thought were going to happen didn't. And then everything evolves so quickly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think for me, there is like two parts to the having a kid story. There's the creation, like Jen mentioned, of like the system that the family will develop, having our individual roles within that unit and then our separate relationships, like my relationship with Brooklyn, Jen's, how we figure out time alone with the kid and then time together. And then there's our relationship between Jen and I, which I think that's been the beauty of like evolving as a couple is that you suddenly, you know, you go from this like honeymoon phase of like, oh, we're so happy. And like, <laughs> we have all this time to ourselves. And like, <laughs> what, what show do we watch now? Like, you know, which, what like, vacation do we take? Now? Yeah, like freedom. Like, so I think it's like, I personally experienced this as like a rough transition. So when we had Brooklyn, I was still playing roller derby. I was still traveling quite a bit. And we decided, as Jen mentioned, to divide tasks depending on what we love to do and, and our strengths. So we knew that Jen wanted to be nurturing and kind of leave her career as like a high level figure skating coach to really be at home with Brooklyn. So we made that decision very consciously. And for a woman, like there's no prescribed roles for us. So the opportunity to really separate the tasks and it not being gender related is great. And also really important, we ask each other the right questions. Like if you're leaving your career to do this for four years and not knowing what's next after that, you know, are you okay with that? This is a choice you're making. And then Jen really wanted to do that and be at home with Brooklyn. Great. Which then meant that I dove head first into my career and was less present. So that definitely created, you know, a separation in our couple that I think can be really terrifying for the first couple of years when you have a baby and someone's maybe more out of the house and someone's more at home. And then how do you come together and foster your relationship within that? We found that really challenging. We grew so much. I think mm -hmm. if you get through those first couple of years, you're pretty golden until the pandemic hits and then you're challenged <laughs> again. <laughs> it, I, you know, I think it's important to say it that those first couple of years as a couple, when you make that transition to suddenly having this baby in your world can be very challenging. And it's important to show up and start learning how to communicate better and that know that you're not always going to feel fully connected. You're not going to have the same level of intimacy. It's going to change every three months. And to be okay with that and trust each other 
and learn and grow together, I think is what creates like long-term success for the couple. That's so interesting that you say that. So how did you, when you were having those scary moments, how did you, was it something that you said to yourself or a conversation that you had together? Like once you've had three kids, I feel like maybe you know what's coming, but Mm -hmm. when it's new, how did you both find the strength or the knowing to know that you're going to be okay? Did you talk to your mom? How did you figure that out? Well, we figured it out together, I think, Mm -hmm. Val, right? I think you would Mm -hmm. agree with that. And from what I remember feeling was that things would get messy. Mm. The energy felt messy because you're, you're exhausted, you're tired, and then the other person's working. And then all of a sudden, you know, as a new mom, sometimes you get all these emotions where you're kind Mm -hmm. of like, well, okay, like she has a work thing outside of the house that she gets to go to, you know, and then you're kind of noticing Mm -hmm. that you're having these feelings. And then you're kind of like, Oh, my God, who who am I, you know, who have become Mm -hmm. and then yeah, the identity shift that happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was, you know, sometimes like I just, you know, I had those feelings would come up and I'd be like, this is not me, you know, you're kind of swimming in a big ocean, and you're not navigating at all. You know, there's no navigation system, you're really kind of just learning each step at a time and it looks so different for everyone and I remember when I would have these emotions sometimes it would not always come out the best way and proper way and sometimes we would have these conflicts but we always try to work through these conflicts so we would always try to really talk it out as much as we could and sometimes it felt good sometimes it didn't feel so good But I always felt like at the end of that really messy part, there was always the sun would come out, you know, and, Mm. and, and it would be better until the next time. But every time that you have conflict or that you have these messy situations, I like to believe that they turn into blocks and those become the foundation, the blocks, the bricks to, to your house. And so that's why at some point, like now in our forties, we're like, okay, like we've really worked hard and we've worked through this and we've took care of each other. And now we've built those blocks and now the house is built and it's like, okay, I'm taking a deep breath and it's good. Mm -hmm. I think we've also always been great at letting each other sort things out on our own and then come together. So like, that's been important. And like Jen taught me that I always like, I was, I'm very confrontational and grew up very vocal And in our relationship, I learned to just like, okay, like I'm going to take some time to process that before we have a conversation and, you know, allowing each other that space. I knew Jen needed that. She's excellent at being like, you know what, tomorrow. And I'm like, no, it's the end of the world. So we went... So I went from that place, which has really forced me to work on myself. So like in the last 10 years, like I've like leaps and bounds of like who I am in relation because, and Jen, like she said, she knew what she was getting into, but I think she trusted that I would learn and work on myself because I'm all about that. And when I see that, like I'm creating a bit more chaos than there needs to be, I'm very good at retreating and like taking care of myself, reading the right books, working on my rituals, taking care of what I need to do in the morning, designing space for myself where I can come back to the conversation in a better place. And we've just really grown and become better at doing that. And I also think it's just like, I won't call it luck because that sounds like fleeting, but because there is definitely hard work that makes this happen. But we're fortunate that every time there was a speed bump, we were able to like rock the boat and come back 
and move forward. So we have the right support systems around us, yes, but we mainly are pretty independent. Even that, we don't really go to our friends or our families for that support. We just really take care of ourselves individually and then come back to the table and then hopefully make it work. Is there a book in particular that was helpful for you that you could share with us? The Power of Now, like that book really marked me because I was someone who, you know, I've gone through a lot through childhood and, you know, as a young adult and I did a lot of processing. And at some point I really like understood the value of presence and of not looking back and working with what's happened in the past, yes, and processing and healing, and then not trying to figure out the future all the time as a like Uber planner and that wants to figure it all out all the time. So when I read this book about being present and being in the moment, using your senses to like drop into stillness and being quiet and the meditation and embodiment and the breath, for me, that, that's actually the healing and the power of stillness is in that ability to be present. Because when you stop, and Rich really is like that book, basically, am I okay right now, right? Like right here, right now, am I safe? Do I feel okay? Yes. And then just trust that tomorrow's a new day. And so that for me has been the book that I always return to that I've kept reading for 20 years now maybe like once a year. Wow. Well, thank you for Mm -hmm. sharing. So what have you learned from Brooklyn? What has Brooklyn taught you, Jen? Brooklyn, oh, Brooklyn is just like such a sweet soul. Um, Yeah, she's just has a really kind heart. I watch her and when she interacts with other people and I see her just being so genuinely always thoughtful and sweet and she really really cares about how she makes others feel so I've always really admired that I sometimes look at her and I I mean I know Val and I are her parents and probably a lot of who she is has to do with how we've raised her but there's always that really like part of her that I'm like I think she was just like an old soul and was just born that Mm -hmm. way where she just like has so much empathy and she's really authentically herself in the way that she dresses. She expresses herself a lot with her clothes, the way she that she cut her hair, she owns it. And it's like, wow, how many adults can say that? (laughs) That, That's what I like about her. Yeah, I mean, I'm, again, I think it's twofold. I learn from watching her interact with the world authentically. And I really love children and the playfulness and like, she doesn't know yet about the world, you know, like she doesn't, there's that innocence and purity of like how she really just assumes that every person is like her friend. And that like, (laughs) that like innocent until proven guilty, which is so beautiful because the world hasn't hurt her. And part of me obviously wants to protect that forever. And I know that's not realistic, but by watching her act that way, it returns me to a place of purity for myself of like trusting humanity. And, you know, that's hard to do these days. So I think looking at the world through her eyes is something I I learn every day and kind of go back to because of her. And then as a parent, like, oh my God, I am constantly challenged by this child who either because Brooklyn is is 
for me anyways, it's like, it's a big reflection when it comes to gender and like, she, I don't know where she's going with this and I don't, I hate labels, so I'm not going to do any of that. But like, there's this like openness and like creative power that is queer in the sense of like, there's no rules, boxes, roles. She just is Brooklyn. That challenges me surprisingly, because I grew up in an era where that wasn't as common or open or discussed and there definitely you know there was no internet and like recognition of diversity on this global way that we're experiencing now which is beautiful it kind of triggers me sometimes because i i want to protect her ironically like she had long hair until like i guess like a year and a half ago and i'm the one who resisted for a long time of her cutting it and jen was just like yeah let's cut your hair and i was like whoa, whoa. okay hey, like because i grew up in bathrooms with like girls asking, oh, there's a boy in the girl's bathroom. Like, I just like, part of me wants to protect her and like kind of put my experience onto her and avoid any sort of pain for her. So anything that was painful for me, I'm trying to protect her. And so learning with, you know, I see a therapist and we chat about this of how to get out of her way while holding space for her as this beautiful eccentric creature has been something I'm still learning right now. And I feel like is like a big challenge for me. So how to remove myself. That was really nice about the moment where you hesitated about Brooklyn cutting her hair. And then up until that moment and the moment it happened, I was a witness to so many beautiful conversations that you had with Brooklyn. And it was so nice, you know, and I think that there was Mm. so much growth that came from that and healing also in a big way, you know, from like your part and also just like Brooklyn understanding the world. It was really nice. Mm -hmm. What do you want to teach Brooklyn about thriving in this world? Is it just a matter of creating space and staying out of her way? What what do you want to give to her? I mean, I'll start. I mean, Mm -hmm. absolutely. We want to create a safe space always for her to feel like she can be authentically herself. I don't feel like we really know what that looks like yet. So I'm really hoping we can do this with the next generation because I feel like the kids of the baby boomers, we still carried a lot of rules and regulations around how to be and expectations. And so what happens if we let this young generation through our parenting be fully themselves and supporting her in that in a way that's not laissez faire it's not like hey kid do whatever cool like there's like a high level of value discipline we're the typical parents in (laughs) terms of wanting to like have your kid go do what we asked the first time and then they don't so in terms of her knowing that there's authority and discipline and environment where you're going to be asked to do certain things if we say that you have piano every saturday at nine and you're supposed to practice on Monday, Wednesday, Friday for 20 minutes, you're going to do that. We're pretty tight in terms of that kind of the container of parenting. We both grew up playing sports and the level of discipline that came from that is something that we both have used positively in our lives. So we want her to learn to be a disciplined and like intentional human, but also feel that there's space for her to grow and explore the world as she feels called to do so. Jen? Well, I mean, what Val said was excellent. (laughs) (laughs) And if I can just add a little bit to that is on my end as being like the nurturer, I always try to make sure that Brooklyn has a quiet confidence and that she's humble, but that she's also determined and that 
she's kind to others the same way that she would want others to be kind to herself. And those are really like the strong values that I think make a human thrive because what you put out there is a lot what's going to come back to you. And that's kind of the way that I see a human thriving and that I would hope for Brooklyn. Yeah, but both of you are so beautifully spoken. I'm floored. Let's talk about the pandemic. Well, first, actually, I wanted to ask, because you are parents, entrepreneurs, best friends, life partners, and your individual selves, how do you make all of that work? How do you find the space for yourself? I think what has really helped us create this life where we feel individually passionate and driven and then be able to coexist as a family and then as work partners as well is a pretty intentional schedule, which permits us to have time alone. And then as partners respect each other in that, recognize when we need more of it and ask for it. And then also respect that the other person needs that time and space. And it's not against me. It's not personal. It's not that they don't want to be with me. It's that they need time to process their own things and they'll come back better. So supporting each other in that as partners, in terms of work, we have found throughout the pandemic and and even before that a really nice alignment in our drive. And what fires up our work passion is really creating spaces, mostly for women to feel safe and empowered. So having that as our meeting point, we've built a space now the studio, and then we work in different rooms with different clients and do our own thing with them. But we have this high level connection on what we want to do and how. So that has just worked out organically. And then as a family routine and scheduling, like I mentioned, every day, six days a week, I get up and I leave the house most of the time before they get up, just a few minutes before Jen gets up and leave quietly. And that's at like 530 in the morning. And I don't see them in the morning. I don't do the morning routine. And we're okay with that because I need time alone every single morning. I have a ritual. I do my meditation. I train or have some sort of movement practice. And then I get ready for the day because I start clients at eight. Whereas Jen gets up right after me, takes care of the morning routine with Brooklyn. They have this magical morning thing that they do (laughs) while Jen gets ready for the day. And then she arrives at the studio around 8.30 and starts clients at nine because she has to go drop off Brooklyn. So we just have this like nice organization that has worked out and we respect each other in that. And when we feel like we don't have time, for example, right now, this week, I noticed that we haven't had really like one-on-one time, just the two of us as a couple in the last few weeks. So I asked Jen if she would be willing to do a staycation. She said, yes, we got a babysitter. And then this Friday, we're both going to end work at one and then go spend 24 hours. I, I got a hotel room downtown. We'll walk around, eat and just be together. So we we're good at noticing when like something's a little out of whack. We just, we correct and we plan accordingly. Wow. So let's talk about the pandemic that you kind of alluded to before. I have a question from the audience. Mm. So you both have careers that center around your passions. And we're wondering if you discovered any new creative outlets or passions during the pandemic. I think it just maximized everything that we had, which is helping others through movement and music is definitely huge passion for both of us. Definitely it forced us to amplify whatever 
would nurture and ground us. So for example, my home office has been transformed multiple times, <laughs> depending <laughs> on what rituals, how much I'm meditating. Like right now I got a new chair, it's facing the window. Two months ago, I reorganized my office and my space and what I need to support myself weekly. And the, the pandemic just forced Jen and I to really take care of our home space. And mm -hmm. we remodeled and redecorated our whole apartment. I keep redesigning my office. Jen has, we have this like master bedroom with like a bit of a living room and a walk-in closet. And Jen created herself, we call it her office, <laughs> which is, you know, a combination of like clothing, makeup, but then also her rituals and like a little altar where she can meditate and then a sofa. So we dove into taking care of our spaces a bit more so that we could feel held and comfortable mm -hmm. to, to really just not lose our shit, let's be honest. And so we had little rituals that we would do. We pull a card and read each other the meaning of those cards and light we lit way more candles <laughs> I, I like mm -hmm. i rubbed a lot of beaded necklaces like they have multiplied <laughs> you know so everything that we kind of had set up like jen mentioned we just like dove really intensely into right we're just fortunate that we work in spaces where the conversation centers around taking care of your body and moving in ways where you can let go or put down the weight of the world that is on you so by doing this work and being these people that service and serve a community to do that for themselves, we're constantly in that conversation. So if anything, it just the four pillars of wellness, which we've always talked about, which in our studio in the past were on the wall. So nutrition, mindset, movement, and recovery just became more important that we actualize them and live them to a higher level. So we just basically amplified what we had set up as a lifestyle to just really nurture our souls during this time, which were terrifying and very difficult for everyone. We also didn't quite work together as much as we did during the pandemic, because when we had the studio, the first studio, we I was kind of in another room doing my own thing and Val had her clientele and was doing like her thing and, and it was very separate we kind of kept it that mm -hmm. way we liked it that way we knew that it was our moment our space and then when the pandemic started we realized that working together was going to be the best thing because we couldn't have other people come and do the workouts and so the pandemic brought us together in a very different way and then that created a different relationship completely because you know, mm -hmm. we never work that closely together. And so all of a sudden it was, we showed up together, we did this workout and we had so much to share because we wanted everything to work out so perfectly. We wanted everyone to have a good time with us and we wanted to offer something that was really special and started sharing music. We started coming up with new ideas with even outfits and playlists. <laughs> and so it kind of really solidified our work environment and to me that was definitely one of the most beautiful things that happened during the pandemic because it just realized that we work so well together and we were so happy about that and it, we were such like good workers on our own and then you never know how it's going to work out when you work with your partner you know are you going to take things personally but or not or is everything going to go well and 
it just definitely made our communication stronger. We developed better communication through that and it just worked out. Mm -hmm. I just want to switch gears to your business because I know mm -hmm. during the pandemic you went digital. So do you want to tell us about that? And yeah, how did it change the business for you? So when the pandemic hit and we were used to having around 200 people in and out of our space daily, we spent a couple of weeks just wondering what to do with our time and energy because we were used to having this like vibrant life day to day and suddenly went to having this empty space. And the opportunity to start teaching classes digitally through Instagram and giving free classes to the community became really attractive. We thought, okay, that's a nice way to bring everyone together. It's free, so it feels good. And then we can also be more accessible, which we weren't always in the past. So this created an opportunity for us that was really exciting and gave us something positive to look at and turn our energy towards while we were in this 20,000 square foot empty space. And as Jen mentioned, we were basically stuck together. <laughs> there was nobody else we could do the workouts with. And thank God, because we found each other in that. So what happened is that Jen taught her bar, floor bar, and like different modality online in her own class through Instagram. And then through my classes and my style of coaching, I needed someone to do the workout while I was coaching it. So for me, that's like the ultimate way of like bringing forth some digital content. So they have a visual and then they have me on audio really coaching. And then somehow it just worked out for the two of us to create these body weight classes that were really driven by the music. And then also by the two of us showing up, people know we're a couple, you know, I think people needed to feel connected and we were very available through Instagram and DMS. And we always answered every message and it was nice for us. And people felt like we were giving to them, but we were also receiving by being able to continue this work that we're so passionate about. So it really started with giving free online classes on Instagram. And then again, going week to week. So Jen and I would have conversations like, should we go live again this week? Do people need it? Do they want it? And then as the weeks went by, suddenly we had done a few months. And then we also came to the realization that we're not out of this pandemic anytime soon. So we also need some income and to legitimize what we're doing, maybe in a, in a higher quality of audio and video. So then it became that's where I come in with the planning is this idea to have our own digital studio. A lot of people around us were offering support. So I have friends that do this kind of work. You know, I was able to bounce ideas off of. And then within a month, we had created this digital studio. We tested out a bunch of options and then it became a paid subscription. So for us, that became a way to monetize the work we were doing, but also stay accessible and show up for everybody since we were still not capable of filling up spaces physically. After everything we've been through, it can be really hard to even get off the couch sometimes. And so I'm wondering, how do you find that balance between empathy for yourself and what seems to be, you seem to strive for excellence every day. And I'm wondering, how do you find the motivation? And I'd like to hear from both of you on that. How do we have empathy for ourselves? I mean, sometimes a snack or whatever that we shouldn't be eating has kind of been the comfort that we need right now. So how do you find that balance of eating well and discipline, empathy, and striving for excellence? Yeah. yeah. I'll, go, okay. <laughs> I'll just refer to that. You put a beautiful post about having empathy for yourself. And so that's where it's partly coming from for me. Yeah, I think 
my love for movement really stems from the fact that I'm just so grateful every day I wake up and I think to myself, wow, you know, I can, I mean, this is going to sound, I don't know how it's going to sound, but it's, it's very basic in a way. And it's not because it, it's everything at the same time, but I get to put my feet on the ground. I get to stand up every morning. I can breathe well my heart beats well my i am healthy i can think i can move i can do things i think i'm just at the base someone who's just very grateful for my body having been a figure skater i wasn't always so kind to myself and to my body and i think now as a 44 year old woman i've learned to really just be grateful for the things that my body can still do and doing the digital studio kind of really helps me with that because I've realized that I have a power that I didn't know was there. What power? Um, what do you mean? It's just I after having a child, sometimes you often wonder, you know, the cliche of am I ever going to get my body back? And you have so many questions and you're really questioning yourself. How will I come back from this? Am I still going to be this person who can run, leap? Movement was always such a big part of my life and so important that for me, it was a little bit of a fear and then until what I was doing before the bar was not as athletic as the digital studio that I was doing with Val and I kind of noticed like oh wait a minute you know like little by little with everyone on the screen I became stronger and we all became stronger together and that really kind of connected all of us because I would have these messages from women being like oh wow like I, I really have feel like I um, it's so important to me for women to know that they're there is a different kind of strength that comes in your 40s that is very different than any other age that I've been in. And it really, it's there. It's there for people to take and really tap into. And I think that movement, for me, it heals so many things. I, I have a headache. If I work out for 20 minutes, it's probably going to be gone. If I'm, I feel a little bit more emotional one day, I work out, I feel better. I just, movement for me heals so much. It's just my, my language. I think it's just at the base. I'm just so grateful that I can still do these things, that I'm alive, that I can enjoy it, that I have these endorphins that come with it after. And then every decision that I make, because I've taken care of myself, will be impacted by that decision. So then during the day, I eat better, I'm in a better mood, I want to serve others. Also, you know, I showed up for myself, and then I can show up for others. That's usually I'm just so grateful for my body having shown up my whole life. It's beautiful. I think Angelique, it's funny, because I your question, I took it a little differently, which was like, how do we make ourselves feel better when we eat the cookies and shouldn't have? Was that? <laughs> right? uh, like, yeah, it's I mean, the, it's, it's all related. Empathy, it's, right? Like, it's, so it's interesting because Jen and I, as much as we have empathy and love and patience for ourselves, for the world, for our clients, we're also kind of ass kickers, you know what I mean? And we're, <laughs> we're and we treat ourselves that way. We have high expectations for ourselves and we have a high level of discipline that does not come easy. Like we work for it and we're, we're fighters and we, we, you know, we encourage each other, like show up and like, Hey, did you do your workout today? And so we, as much as I think people need to feel supported and loved and listen to your heart and 
don't feel bad that you did also like do better you know what i mean like i also push my clients so, like i love you what you did yesterday does not matter but like show up and stop talking about how you want to see changes and stop talking about i want to run a house no no like sign up and like let's go let's make a plan let's move and i think that's also why we work well with people and people are attracted to our style of coaching is that we are hard on ourselves yes we recover and we take care of ourselves and we meditate and sauna but we also show up for our workouts when we don't feel like it and we know how hard yeah. that is but we do it and that discipline like jen mentioned it's a snowball right so every right decision i make gives me confidence like I, I show up for my workout, I take care of myself, I take a bath, I eat well, it all starts going together. And that's why we believe that it's like a holistic approach and not just like show up for your training. No, if you didn't sleep well, you didn't eat well, and you're like not taking care of your mind and you're all over the place, it doesn't matter if you mindlessly get on a treadmill for 20 minutes, you're not gonna get the benefits. So the holistic approach, yes, but the discipline to eat well most of the time. That's how we roll. The 80-20, it works. I know it's old school, but- Well, what's the 80-20? So the 80-20 the rule is like, basically what you do most of the time matters. What you do occasionally does not. So eat well, 80% of the time, mm -hmm. you know, the vegetables, the protein, the leanness, the complex carbohydrates, and then 20% of the time, YOLO, eat the jujubes, drink the wine, have the pizza. It's not balanced, listen to how you truly feel because- you know, intuitive eating or, you know, only respect your body's limits. Like most people having gone through a two-year pandemic and all the emotions and all the challenges that that's brought on want to lie in bed, eat pizza and watch Netflix. I am with you. Emotionally, it's a lot. So I think what's important and why we do what we do is that we're coaches and there's people in life that are paid to help you. You don't got to be alone with it because if you're just mm. alone trying to self-motivate, it's not going to work or very rarely does that work. And even I trained professional athletes that didn't want to show up that day. And, and this is their passion, right? So of course you're asking too much of yourself to think that you should wake up in the morning and like walk over to your gratitude cushion and then go to your workout and eat perfect. Like stop, stop expecting perfection. Stop thinking you need to do this on your own and you're a failure if you don't. Like Jen said, like she works with gratitude because then she knows, hey, I, my body, I'm healthy. And then that motivates her to then show up for her workout, even though maybe it's the first day of her period and she has a headache, right? But she mm -hmm. didn't just get there out of discipline. She got there because she practiced gratitude in the morning. So for me, mm -hmm. it's a holistic approach and we need to like find communities and people to help us because we're not gonna be motivated every single day, but together we can most of the time work towards health and wellness if that's our ultimate goal. But it seems like for you both, it's not just about excellence, it's really because it perpetrates feeling good. I'm trying to get to the root of the motivation for you. And I think it's that, I think it's just, you just like feeling good. Yeah, I think we love to feel good. We both are very connected to the positive impact yeah. of movement. So Jen, for example, loves to dance. It's endorphins, it's dopamine, it's freedom, it's empowerment, it's sensuality. Like she is connected to all that. For me, like doing strength work, running as fast as I can, I feel alive. But that comes from the fact that 
I slept well because I prioritized my well-being because, right, because I eat well, I have the energy that fuels me to do that. Like we don't drink alcohol. Jen will have an occasional glass of wine here and there, but the decisions that we make give us that potency. We were born with a love and a passion and a drive. And that's why we're coaches in this industry. But we also make efforts and are disciplined around all the other small decisions and all the habits that we stack up daily that mm -hmm. then give us that fire and that energy to be able to show up in that way. And then from there, get the positive benefits of it. I love it. Beautiful. And just, I want to give you a chance to, you kind of alluded to it. I want to hear what your approach is. Like, how does one start on day one? And then I know that you're very sought after. You've worked with some big name celebrities. And I'm wondering, how do you assess where a person is at? And Let's say when you're working with someone like a Jennifer Aniston, is there a different approach or do you have the same approach for every person that walks in the door? Absolutely. It's the same approach for each person. So every single person I've seen, so Hollywood actor, Olympian level athlete, someone trying to lose 20, 30 pounds because they're at a level of weight that's unhealthy, someone who wants to run a half marathon, someone whose goal is to finally do one chin up. I have it all right? Everyone who comes to our studio has some sort of motivation or goal normally. So when they arrive and they usually have ideas of how this is going to go down and then we just stop them. It's not about Val Desjardins or Jennifer Pregnolato having a certain style and doing that to you. We have the science of movement with us. We're educated, the physiology and the movement practices and the science of it. But then what I need is to know what that person's goals are why are you here? Where are you right now? So like assessing where we're at in the present moment in the last few weeks, what has come before? So past injuries, past eating disorders, relationships to food, moments where you thrived, what were you doing? Basically your lifestyle so far pertaining to, let's say, physicality and nutrition, and then aligning that in the present moment to what's available to you in terms of time, resources, financially, what can you spend? How much support do you have in your direct environment? Is it super challenging for you to eat well because your spouse is eating junk food all night? Like, so where are the barriers and where do we have potential to like create this nice environment where I can support you as a coach and make you thrive towards the goals that you're coming to me with? So, okay, a Hollywood actor is filming for three months. I'm asking, Okay, are you going to be running? Are you going to be skateboarding? What can I teach you? What do we need to work <laughs> on physically? And then how can I support you when it comes to recovery, nutrition, mindset? So then I hook them up with a masseuse. Okay, someone comes to me like, you know, I've always had this back pain, but I live with it. I'll let you know if it hurts. I'm like, no. When did this start? What does it look like now? When does it flare up? Let me hook you up with this osteo who I think is a good fit for you. Oh, my pelvic floor, blah, blah. But you know, I've had four kids. I'm like, no, I don't accept that. Let me hook you up with this woman who specializes in X, Y, Z. So I, I say we have like two jobs at the studios. Like once the clients come and we assess them, 
regardless of who they are and what their goals are. Then there's us and the movement practice at the studio. And then there's being the wellness concierge, right? So we mm. have resources, right? Like Jen and I have been high level athletes in this city and in the suburbs of this city. We have a reach that is far and wide of contacts. We've tried everything ourselves, right? Jen has done everything from figure skating to roller skating to running marathons. We've worked ourselves with so many coaches and resources. So we just use our knowledge and experience and then plug into that person's needs. So that, as you mentioned, from general population contacted us through Instagram to Hollywood stars or pro athletes, it's the same formula. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you're part therapist too. There's a lot of that. I mean, I think we all need that right now. Like I go off <laughs> yep. when I'm getting my hair cut. I'm just like, yo, and this thing's been happening. And how do you feel like, well, I think everyone that we can talk to right now, we're having like super deep chats. I love it. But yes, it comes with getting to know that person very intimately, which maybe Jen can speak to is that she has all female clients and she creates this like very high level feminine power, like safe space. So that's, you know, a bit of a different thing that she does with people, with which Jen, maybe you can talk about. Yes. And I also, uh, pertaining to what you were saying, I love because you often say that. And I feel like as a team, all the trainers, we really work from that mindset is that we really meet people where they're at. And I always love it. And I always feel like I say that to myself whenever I meet someone new, because it's not about having a certain level of fitness before you come to the gym. It's really about just showing up and Oh my God, I love it so much when I have a new client and I often end my training sessions with them saying, congratulations for doing this for yourself, for taking the phone, for making that phone call, for deciding to do this and to have the courage to do it. And to me, that is just already such a huge step it could be so nerve wracking for anyone to stand in front of a mirror the first time or, you know, having someone telling you what to do, you know, like our fitness levels are so different, you know, from one client to the other. And so I'm always like so inspired by people who take the first step and just show up. I think that's already the battle is half won already. So from that space, I then want to give my best self to them. And I want to make sure that they feel, you know, I do a lot of my training is a lot of toning sets and cardio with a lot of mobility, flexibility. I really believe that, you know, feeling unstuck in your body through certain flexibility exercises and stretches is such a good way to process emotions and not through the mind all the time, but through the body. I often also love that at the end of trainings, we kind of just take a moment and just lie down I close the light you know I have these yoga pillows we just kind of breathe and we just give love to our life and our body and the world and I often say you know we're gonna take this minute to just pause the world for just one minute you know where nobody needs you it's just you yourself feeling supported through the ground and that's often how I just kind of end my workouts and then I just let people go and wish them a great week. And I just love coming from that really strong female energy that we all share because sometimes I may be the coach telling them what to do, but we all bring something to the table that is just so precious to me as women that we can all share together. There's just so much knowledge and beauty in that. Wow. Well, that was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> that was really beautiful. Wow. I think I, w I just want to leave it right there. I have so many more questions, but that was beautiful. Thank you. I can't thank you both enough. Honestly, I'm so 
like I said from the top, so honored to speak to both of you. I think you're both incredible and such a special part of the Montreal community. So thank you so much for everything that you do for everybody, for motivating people, for everything that you did for the Ukraine. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. So thank much. you. <laughs> thank you so much. Have a, have a great one. I have listened to this podcast many times and each time I am so impressed by how Val and Jen live with passion, intention, generosity, and gratitude. Not to mention Val's aptitude for scheduling. It's inspiring. I was intimidated to talk to both of these women, but I have to say that the second Val got on the phone... Her energy is completely contagious, and she strikes me as one of the most fun people that exist. Jen's beauty stays with you for days. She really moved me with everything that she said, and listening to them has made me more conscientious about my decisions and just inspired about how I look at my life in general. I love the 80-20 rule. I also appreciate the reminder that we don't have to do it alone. Check them out at digitalstudio.pumpfitnessmtl.com for online classes, Sunday sermons, and so much more. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and on social media. Ciao.